Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and the guests we've been having lately. Thank you again to all my subscribers, for all of you who've been signing up for email lists, signing up on our Patreon.com page to support the show, Patreon.com slash Richard Listens, Instagram at Richard Listens. Please tweet at me, Instagram facebook sign up subscribe and listen please take the time send this to two friends that you think might like the show today i'm excited to bring you a guest and friend of mine adam feingold aka always gold actor poker player extraordinaire and he currently is seen on one of abc's top rated shows for life currently entering season two on november 18th he is from bayside queens he's an actor a creator who's living in soho in new york city and for me this is a real gift for all the discussion we've had through the coronavirus pandemic and beyond about who we meet who we come connect to we put ourselves out there the creative ways people have stayed fresh focused find new ways to express their identity their inspiration from different places. We're excited to bring him forward to share a little bit about what inspires him with acting and we're hope that he can give a little bit to you today about what has led him to this elite stage of acting on television, continuing to navigate the world we go forward through the end of 2020. Well, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we have Always Gold. I know him as Always Gold. Actor, creator extraordinaire, Adam Feingold. Thank you for making time for me and my list here today. Oh, thanks for having me, Richard definitely uh, it's a nice uh, rest from the day great What's to make like, your acquaintance as a former new yorker as someone who grew up right outside central park it pained me obviously what we've seen on the news early in the quarantine and new york really hit hard what's it been like for you to stay put stay focused through a tremendously disruptive time well you know it's definitely been a surreal experience i feel like i've been saying the word surreal a lot over the last six seven months i happen to live in soho which right at the beginning of the shutdown 
there was a lot of excitement and the spotlight was on my neighborhood because of there were protesters, there were rioters, there were looters, there were big police presence. So it kind of like really put it in my face in terms of, wow, this is where we're at. And the world is different from the way I knew it just a couple of days ago, you know, thinking about that six, seven months ago. And, uh, but I have to say, you know, I was raised in Bayside, Queens, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from where I reside now. And I am a New Yorker through and through. And, you know, I love this city. I've been on some pretty uh, exciting trips around the world. And there's always that little thing two or three weeks in where I'm just like missing the streets of my city. You know, uh, as an actor, as an artist, I'm kind of programmed to just wake up and try to either make something happen or friends would joke with me, you know, like my office is are the streets of Manhattan. So going back to your question, it was definitely the city became quiet. There was a quiet that I have never experienced in the sense of I'm a bike rider, jump on the bike and ride around the city during all times of day and to have roads to myself. And we're talking Times Square, like the center of Times Square or Fifth Avenue, 60s and 70s, Madison Square Park, Washington Square Park. It was a trippy feeling. I'm sure you remember Mad Max or in the vein of these apocalyptic movies. It, right. it wasn't as extreme, but it, you know, my mind is programmed to go to a movie and like pin it to what I'm experiencing at the moment, or it does that a lot, I should say. And I definitely started like having those thoughts. Where are we going? Create so much imagery in that description. You know, thank you. As a New Yorker grew up and a lot of people who are from New York or outside, well, we used to like, as kids, you take it, you know, the whole idea that you can just create something from going into the city, just the act of getting on a train and going in, like you're going to see so many millions of people, the experience of just moving. And because there's so much movement, you know, you have to move fast. So yeah, sometimes you felt like you did something when really all you did was walk for a few hours or get on a train or get on transit and totally. eat a pretzel or find a pizza, you know, but you always experience people, culture, right? There's no way to avoid that. And so I can't imagine being in a city, right, where it's completely quiet, number one, and number two, where, where there's a lot of conflict. So all of a sudden it forces you to kind of reevaluate what world am I in? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, those first couple of nights we had a curfew and it was 11 PM. It was either a Sunday or a Monday. A buddy of mine asked me to drop something off and it was only 20 blocks away. I jumped on the bike, went over there at like 10 30 at night. The curfew was 11. And, you know, I saw hordes of kids basically. And one group had hammers and they were trying to break into a window on Spring Street. Another group was, you know, had signs. It really just, it makes you really think about what we're doing here and how we act as people to that these emotions can come out. You know, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with either side, but it gave me that feeling of, I don't know where I am right now, you know, and, and I was going to follow up for when you were uh, speaking, you know, it only took a couple of months and, you know, we're not totally back. I don't think that's going to happen for some time, but I was just talking about it with a friend yesterday and down and she said, I was in the city this weekend and I almost started tearing up because it was so live. In Soho, at least, the streets are alive with restaurants. There, there's outdoor dining. And now, because of the outdoor dining, there are 
roving bands. You know, you could go down any street and you have a tuba player, a sax player. Uh, there's this beautiful violinist who plays on West Broadway. And, you know, that for me, that's the city that I know. You know, it's not as robust. I can't go to the theater, which I love once a week or once every couple of weeks. But, you know, little by slowly. And I think we have to, or at least for me, I accept where I'm at and I can find the little moments of joy and, you know, be like, wow, th this is this is really far removed from what I described, you know, at the beginning in a positive way. And yeah, so it, it was a moment we've talked about or we've learned about the Great Depression, the plague. I, I call this the great pause of our lives, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of, of what we do, of what I do is still pause, but a lot's come back as well. You know, I'm, I'm on a show right now called For Life. Season That's exciting, one. right? New season coming out. Yeah. So For Life is a prison show about a young man that was a falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit, goes into prison. And as he's there, he becomes the lawyer to kind of, you know, free himself, exonerate himself, basically right some wrongs that have been done in the past to him and family members and friends. And so that's on ABC and produced by Hank Steinberg and 50 Cent and really, really well written. And so I sometimes don't watch everything that I'm on with such vigor. And this show was was my quarantine show, you know, and we were lucky enough and I think deserving enough to get renewed. And we started shooting in September. So that was something that it was a trippy kind of feeling, you know, do I deserve this? You know, I know you're an avid sports fan. It felt as if I was walking into that, what we know of the NBA bubble, you know, I was being tested three times a week. There were moments where I was like, me, why, why do I deserve to get this done? You know, last week I had two swabs up each nostril. It's just the new normal. And pay the again, price for uh, getting opportunity. <laughs> you do pay a little bit of a price, but yeah, I'm totally grateful and excited to be working on such a great show with such a great cast and crew. And yeah, everyone all the way around. The meaning, I mean, we all watched our, our Netflix and, and Netflix and show and, oh, yeah. and having our streaming TV. But the meaning of, you know, there is a certain survival mentality. There's a certain going into the cave that we've all done. And having shows, having, you know, the ability to, it is, you know, escape, but distract ourselves with stories that, but stories that have meaning stories that inspire sure. us you know you're talking about sports i started to watch a playbook on netflix you know talking about coaches and their inspiration you discover you know shows that that bring you a little bit more into like feeling more human yeah, feeling more inspired sure. because what can happen when we're you know post six months in this like you talk about apocalyptic, this feeling of I'm in a cave and I don't know when I'm coming out is we lose that ability to like shake a hand or give a hug or just just be around the water cooler. I have clients that are just missing the commute to work. <laughs> They're sure. missing the, the normalcy, you know, the ability to be on set, the ability just to go in and talk about, you know, what happened in, in Sunday night football or something that seemed mundane previously. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the rub, right? I get to work. And but the uh, interesting aspect of it being on a series for the season was on half the season, but work from episode one to 13, you build these relationships. So the first day back, all you want to do is hug the person 
and it, you know, masks up and elbows or, you know, pa- you know, fist pumps and the makeup people are wearing like smocks and masks and visors. And it's like, is this the dentist, the heart doctor, you know, coming at me? It's, it, it's an interesting feeling. Again, so nice to just see someone and have that human connection, as you say, but definitely different, you know, all nonetheless, great. Actually, that's a good aspect for people who are out there working right now in any way impossible, right? Like, so as an actor, right, you need to be able to be loose. There's always a degree of pressure when the camera goes on or when they hit take, right? So now with this increased anxiety of like, you know, you're holding your breath, you're doing all these things to like, be careful. How do you get yourself to the same place you were prior to just feel free to to create? It's a great question. I mean, it. so prior to them renewing and letting me know I was coming back, I had auditioned for a couple of shows, some movies that were filming out of state. And the questions were in my head, is this worth it? Do I want it? You know, it wasn't about, you know, like I feel as an actor, it wasn't a choice I made in terms of like, this is my path. So I, I never questioned that. I just questioned like right now. And and there have been moments where the questions come up and do I just sit back for a minute? And I got tested very early on and I was negative. And, and I've lived very carefully, so to speak. And when they did ask me back, we had very in-depth protocol meetings with doctors and just in terms of how we should act and, you know, act on set, so to speak, and what we should be you know, expecting. And it just felt very safe. So I made that kind of thought that, you know what, I'm being tested. In the last two months, I've been tested over 20 times. And everyone else has been tested just the same, if not more. I'm a character that you see from time to time, but the major recurring characters get tested every single day. So I made that choice that we're going to come to the moment where I'm face to face. You know, you're talking to someone, you're not six feet away or nine feet away or whatever have you. And I just said, you know, I'm just going to have some blind faith that the people that are in charge of this thing aren't going to put me in a position of harm, you know? So that that's to say like the first day I was lucky, the first day we were on location, you might know it, park in Plandome, this beautiful, beautiful park. And, you know, I was able to walk around a little bit, you know, when we're in the studio, I have a dressing room, you can't really just wander. And I'm the type that likes to go and, you know, say hello to people and because it could be a couple of hours before they're bringing me to set. So I guess, you know, I just treated it like everything else. Basically get my work done, my lines down, and I'm just ready to work when they call me. And so I basically go to set, you know, and and it's kind of an interesting situation where everybody's masked, obviously, and the director's obviously is actually masked and he's got a little bit more covering on and about and they set us up in terms of places and then they say okay set's going hot mask off and you know thank god i've never been in war but it just it has that feeling of like we're going into battle and they're you know just being raised with sports and having that athletic kind of mindset it has a similar feeling of like getting on the basketball court like or even the poker table you know i'm going into war right now and you know i'm having this thought while i talk to you for the first time it raises the stakes for me where it has to be you know this is either everything or it's nothing so i I said to someone you know i think in the long run the way this like i think there have been benefits or i think 
people have learned things about life themselves during this quarantine. I, I know for me, I've, I've learned things about myself and I've learned things about how I do things that I've kind of, it, it's going to help me streamline certain things. And I think with filming, some of the aspects have been streamlined that I, I'm going to see that they keep some of the ways they've changed things because it, it just feels like things have been a little more efficient, to be honest with you. In terms of how you record or how you pair to go into Yeah, that? shot selection and just really understanding what shots you're doing because they you know, this whole game is that there's a time element getting a certain amount filmed every day. So now they've got to be extra on top of that because they can't do as much because of the COVID. We, we got a booklet from SAG, the union that all actors are a part of. And it's about, you know, two, 300 pages of just what you can do and how you can do it. And, you know, for our benefit and the benefit of keeping us alive and safe. But you're not allowed, I think, can't go more than 10 hours. I, I think the new rule is where, you know, I've been on a set for 19 hours in a day just to get something done. So that's not going to happen right now anyway. It's a good point, right? Because when, when we're facing, seeing some good memes out there, so many stressors. When you're facing this, you mentioned war, like we're searching for these metaphors of history, of, of cultural experience, of when were we at this kind of a level of threat? Because your body, I deal with somatic psychology, when you're under stress, it's very hard to perform. And a lot of the natural reaction to being under threat then is to move faster, right? We start to like, like use the poker metaphor, right? When the fakes are going up or the blinds are going up, the anxiety that, right, I have to survive also raised. But if we can't balance that out, we also make mistakes. We also then start to forget about our humanity. We forget about, you know, who's in it with us. So I think that's a real challenge right now is, is companies or, or productions want to do more faster to lose sight of, right, well, what are all the lessons we learned? Being conscious of other people, being respectful of their physical health, you know, their, their how they want to be spoken to, how they want to be treated. I mean, we know these things since kindergarten, like the golden rule, but we've had to become increasingly sensitive to like, you know, the stakes of, of survival is, is care. And so, right, you know, yeah, you can work 19 hours a day, but you're going to burn people out and you may not have a lot of job satisfaction. I can add something because of what you just said. I'm just happy to be there, you know? So for me, I don't feel the stress of finishing or getting it done. I know the people who are responsible for the producing and directing and editing feel that stress a lot more because their boss is, is calling on them to stay in a budget and whatnot. So when I'm acting, it kind of frees me a little bit more. I'm not worrying about that. And, you know, I've learned it, it took a long time. There's no perfect take. I have to trust that the director, if he doesn't think my job was you know, satisfactory or what he was looking for, he's just, or she is going to just make me do it again. So that they get, it kind of loosened. That kind of gives me that freedom of like, just, you know, let it rip and let chips fall where they well, that's the key. And try yeah, to be yeah. as honest and truthful as possible when I'm in that moment. Yeah. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. 
So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens and if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. It's like same thing that, you know, we're using all the poker metaphors here. It's like, it, there is no perfect play, right? You, there's always right. going to be a mistake. There's, if you're not creative and in the moment, if you're not staying there, then it's no longer fun. It's constantly adapting. And so the whole gift of you talk about like being stuck at home and as I've done, you know, more podcasts, I've met more amazing individuals in the last six months. I think we've been able to do, you know, like, you know, I think I did more podcasts in the last six months than I did in the previous five years you know because of people being present people being willing to share their story and because it's fun it's no longer about you know like initially uh my, my co-host uh when i first started peter Sobey, and i'm, I'm gonna be putting up a gofundme to get him a, a accessible van a tremendous individual need, needs needs a wheelchair accessible van but he got me going and he used to we used to go to denny's and have pancakes after the show and he would look at me and go how come you spoke for five minutes in the podcast what's going on like, how come the guy that I know off camera is freezing up? You know, what's happening when you think the results or somebody's watching? And so it's great to have this opportunity to be like, yeah, let's just enjoy this. Yeah, that's when the lights go on. I forget you're there. That's the bottom line. You know, there's no camera. There's no person. There's no people. And there's 200 people sometimes in and around the in the space. But it's just me and my, who I'm acting with, you know, my scene partner or partners. That's all there is. Where did you moment. get your inspiration from goldie did you uh did you have an acting coach or teacher or mentor you mentioned the theater and the art sure so i grew up in queens and it's funny i grew up in a place of you know i love my parents my dad recently passed away but my i love the upbringing that my parents oh thank you that they gave me to death. But the arts was very early on explained to me, it's something we see, we something we go to, it's not for us more than that. My mom took me to Broadway shows when I was very young. Like my first musical, I think I was six or seven, it was called Lend Me a Tenor and on Broadway. And you know, it was, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh wow, this is what people do. And so from there on, I went to day camp and I acted in the camp plays very young. I, I was the phantom, you know, early on, eight, nine years old, Elmont day camp. Yeah. So it just went on like that. And then started taking classes a little bit in high school, something called Sing, where each grade would put their show on. And, you know, my freshman year in high school, I was the lead in Sing. But, you know, there was, there was definitely conflict because it was, for lack of a better way of saying, you know, I had this family that was 
moms do better than we did and the quote unquote Jewish mom's philosophy or even grandfather's philosophy of lawyer, accountant and or doctor, you know, and something professional. So there was a conflict there and there was a lot of shooting myself in the foot, you know, in terms of personally taking some wrong directions just to get back on this road. You know, that book, The Road Less Traveled, it, it's so real. You know, we can just come to a stop and there's two ways to go. And we know exactly the way to go, but we know the other way might be safer and we choose it. And and I did that a couple of times in my life. Not that I regret it now, but just to say it took me on a circuitous route to get me back on the road of acting. And, and later in life or past my college years, I ended up in an acting conservatory program called the Maggie Flanagan Studio. So she was like my first real acting mentor, you know, when it came to the work, when it came to technique, you know, and it's funny because I met with her prior to joining the program and it was on the advice of a friend and I had already been acting, you know, in off-Broadway theater in the city and a lot of indie projects, scenes, movies, what have you. And the gentleman who referred me had no acting experience and the last or midway through, she said, okay, you'll start the class in September, you'll be in the class that your friend who referred you to. And I was like, no, 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 I need a master class. Were you kidding me? And she looked at me and she's like, young man, you have no technique. I don't know if you've had those coaches that like just hammer you, you know, and, and just find gold. What are you doing out there? Come on, <laughs> get your head out of your ass. But like all those demonstrative moments of like someone trying to get their word through to you, she said it in four words, you have no technique and it i couldn't respond for me that happened in like seventh grade i got embarrassed i yelled at the teacher i got humiliated i ran away and never went back right or in baseball i always joked they cut me and i really wanted to go back in there and like drag the coach back on the field and tell him i don't know what he was thinking you know but other messaging yeah. like we're talking about other messaging tells us no 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 they're the authority figure. So what what helped you to take that in and use it as fuel? I, I could feel you asking that question and guiding me here. I think I've been lucky in my life that I've actually discovered things about myself haven't fought back against them, you know, and, and I've had those moments where you've said something to me or the person in front of me has said something to me and knowing, you know, there are those moments where you're talking to someone and they're telling you something, you know, but you're not going to give in. It was just that, like, I don't know, the universe, divine inspiration where I was like, she's right. She's right. Like, let's get to work here. You know, time's not stopping. And we connected in a, in a way where I was like, I implicitly trust this human. And that's also, been a thing with, with me, you know, in terms of my stumble blocks or, or obstacles, you know, trusting people. I grew up in a town that is very interesting, you know, kind of sorted, kind of awesome. And just seeing what I, what I saw as a young man, I think my trust factor or my trust, trusting of other humans was definitely not at the, at the high point. You know, like I didn't trust these at right. that juncture or 
prior to that juncture in my life. And I just saw this, you know, beautiful teat woman that, yeah. What did it? Yeah. Did it inspire you? What did it? Because I think this is a trouble for a lot of men. I think this is a trouble for a lot of people, especially when the fear, all the reasons are up, the anxiety, like, and, and so much conditioning is you've got to do this on your own. Don't trust anybody, you know, and we're ready to defend. We get that information. We get that criticism and that comes up. So to allow that in, it's, it's so essential, right? But to trust the source, you really have to trust that person cares about you and wants to see you overcome this blockage or see something that could lead you past. What was that? You know, she asked me the question, why do you want to be an actor? And I said, I don't know. You know, I'm 45 years old. And at that point, I was 29 years old. And I had already been and seen a lot, you know, and I had been beaten down a, a lot to do with my own actions. And and I said to her, there are a lot of days I don't want to be an actor. And it, it, if I didn't have something inside of me that pulled me to do it, I wouldn't. And there have been days where I've literally cried in my bed. Why couldn't I have wanted to be a plumber? You know, why couldn't I have wanted to get up at 9 a.m., put a good day's work in, come home, have what, you know, society might call normative life and be okay with it. And it just, that wasn't my path. And, you know, there were other things that we talked about and she got it and I felt that connection from there. And yeah, I think that was it. And I think, you know, to say- You speak to these authentic this, moments, right? It's an authentic human connection. It's an, yeah, it's an authentic human moment. And because of my past experiences, and this has happened, let's say in the last 15 to 20 years, which is probably aided in my growth. I have these moments where I'm like, look where I've been, look what I've seen, look what's happened to me or what I've happened to me. You know, the shit doesn't happen to me. It's what I get myself into and then how I choose to deal with it. But when I look at all that, I'm like, what's the worst that'll happen? I'll spend another six months going down a different road, you know, and I'll say to myself or say to this woman that I just, you know, came, came to believe could help me that, you know what, I was, I'm going to take my bag and go now. But just those moments. Yeah. Like you said, it was an authentic moment. It was, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's incredibly human, right? The permission to fail, the permission to know that we have weaknesses or things that we need to improve upon, the willingness to give ourselves space to create or play and be in development. And I have people all the time telling me like, you're not to look at Joe Rogan. I can go, it's great what he's doing, but you know, I'm not Tim Ferriss. I'm not Joe Rogan. And that's okay. Like, you know, you're not going to get to Oprah's production team level right away. And that's okay. But I can focus on what, what do I want to control? I want to control who I meet, who I draw to me, you know, whose stories I tell, you know, and how much gratitude I have for those relationships. And try and if, if it responds to people and we can help and inspire a few people, well, let's build that in whatever whatever realm that is and whatever degree that is. And that feels right to me. You, you said a lot of things that are kind of like core, I wouldn't say values, but they're just resonate, you know, okay to fail, play, try. You know, I, I feel like we're kind of programmed in a way to just get that thing or have that moniker, that shingle outside our door, you know, that card that says, this is what we are. And, you know, that that's just not me. And I accepted that at some point where it was like, no, I don't need to do those things to find the peace that I've always been looking for, the happiness during the day when I make decisions that are decisions Adam Vinyl wants to make. Now, 
top decisions that Adam Feingold makes because his mom is, you know, in his head from, let's say, ages 1 to 13, saying, this is what you want. This, And she did this with love. And she did this with passion and, and what she thought was the right direction. But I meet a lot of people, you know, because of this life that I, that I live and I've lived. And, you know, it's amazing to me when people say to me, or I should say it's truly touches me the most when, you know, friends, family, friends of friends, and they're like, wow, I got to give you credit. And I'm like, why? You're doing exactly what you want to do. I wish I pains me a little bit. Like, you know, there's a little bit of sadness. It's not that simple. Right. It's not that simple. And then there's that moment where I leave. I'm not really a God guy, but like that saying, but for the grace of God, go I. Like I get to leave that situation or that feeling, you know? For them that they don't go after it? Yeah. You know, I mean, friends, family, really close relatives could have did that. I could have done that. You can still do it. Go do it. As long as you're not hurting anyone else or yourself, go do it. I mean, come on, man. We only got one shot. I I love it. But you know, you talk about my, my dad we lost him a year ago as well so uh, we'll be happy to to download offline about how that's transitioned me and how that's inspired me yeah process but but my dad you know he loved sports loved our new york giants games and he loved music and he would sing he would sing the opera i had no it was italian right it was luciano Pavarotti. but it was a passion that he, he never gave himself permission and i remember like later in his life he was going for some auditions and things like that and it was like this little bit of like, yeah, you can still try. Like there's still yeah. a performance somewhere. There's still a role. And he had a beautiful voice and he made him so happy. And exactly. the power of what that creates message wise through yourself and through your whole family, when you do something for yourself in that way, you know, I'm encouraging a lot of people. I know all the messaging is get back to work, take care of the kids, do the Zoom school, pay the next bill, survive the pandemic. But if you can find one little thing right now, one little thing you enjoy that brings out that quality of play, and it does take overcoming all this messaging. Who's going to do the dishes? Who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to the grocery store? Who's going to pay the bills, right? We got to fight that because our humanity to be preserved, to really sustain and find joy, you know, that's the battle we're really in. Yeah. And, you know, just not to harp on fathers, but my father, he passed away on Thanksgiving. We were having dessert. That's my birthday. Yeah, he was in North. Yeah. So we'll be, so we got, uh, we're I'll having, be we're, thanks, man. So we're having dessert up at my mom's house and they're, you know, divorced a lot of years. And we got the call that he was in the hospital. And then an hour later, he was gone. You know, I say that because it, it's something that I feel I need that. You know, I need to think of him on this big holiday because he was, he was a man that was really defined by his demons. He, he was someone that really couldn't ever get away or get him in check or, you know, from a psychological term, just work on him. But on the other respect, he's a man that kind of gave me some of his characteristics are my greatest characteristic. He, he didn't know how to harness or channel them in a creative, positive way. Like my father's one of the smartest men I knew and he didn't know it. He was a very, so he was he was a gambler. When I met friends who rode horses when I was a kid, I said, oh, I grew up around horses too. I grew up betting on them, you know? And so, but my grandfather, another interesting character, taught me how to play poker when I was two, three years old. Like I can vividly see us sitting in his kitchen he had a shell with pennies and we were playing five card draw. 
and he was hard on me. You know, he used some pretty strong words on a young boy. I can see my grandmother saying, leave the boy alone. <laughs> and, and my dad had that math mind where he could break things down mathematically. Yeah. So it's something that I guess you just take, you know, you can see the good stuff. And then on the flip side, if you don't ever use it or go after it, it's going to eat you up anyway. You know, I know my dad, it ate him up because he wasn't doing the things he wanted to do. Oh, if I didn't have kids or this wife, I could have did this. And that's the whole yeah. axiom, right? Like if we become what we, like if you project fear in a way you draw it. So if I'm just afraid, I have the same thing, you know, I'm going to become, you know, a dad and then I'm going to become governed by their needs and I'm going to lose sense of my athleticism and happiness. Well, you know what? I created that reality. And through the survival yeah. mentality, I was a crisis responder for LA County and wearing the shirt, oh, wow. making un unlimited overtime. You want to talk about a death knell, <laughs> unlimited overtime, right? Yeah. So that pause, and this is, I'm glad I had it in 2015. I'm glad for the, the stoppage we've had here because it was like, hold on, what are you doing to live and put the passion first? Somewhere in the order. And I know there's a lot of people out there, you know, tell you different ways how to do this. Is it an hour a week? Is it two hours a week? And so when I get the chance to sit down, even if I'm doing, you know, one podcast or two a week, I'm having this conversation. We're even talking about topics we could discuss. That's my play. And if that's the space sure. I have, I still may have to pay the bills, you know, trying to make a difference every client I see. But, you know, regularly it's like I have to put the, the passion first, keep this growing. And, and if I can inspire one other person I interact to, you know, I'm, I'm listening for that. I'm trying to cue in for where's the happiness. I love it. And you it know? makes me think of, I'm sure you're familiar with the baby king syndrome. Oh, it's like the baby would be king if he wasn't a baby. But it's that idea of like either we're so scared of failing or we're so scared of success. And for me, I get to different points with situations or projects where it's like, oh man, what's going to happen if it actually gets there? You know, I have to push past that because it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's the fact of just putting my right. head down. Results, doing results the next bring right. pressure, bring anxiety. Yeah. That's natural. Right? Reviews don't matter. Touch. Results don't matter. You know, it's just the work and do the work. You know, because, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm on set, it's not work. It's just joy, you know? So, yeah. Well, Goldie, it's a true joy to know you and be connected to you. Please do. How can they watch you and fill their, you know, Devo boxes with, you know, some classic TV right now? So, yeah, for your audience, uh, you can find me at www.adamfeingold.com to stay in, you know, the loop on what's going on with me and where I'll be. But November 18th for Life on ABC Start. Thank you so much, Goldie. Hey, you too, man. Well, everybody, a true gift. Adam Feingold, always gold. Please set your TV TiVos to record for life. And thank you for listening. Be inspired for the ways in which high performers, extraordinary humans survive the coronavirus and learn to find their passion and stick with it despite adversity. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens or Instagram. Richard Listens. Hey, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. 
I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.